Welcome to the North Shore Church audio podcast. To find out more information about North Shore Church, please visit us at mynsag.com. We hope you enjoy today's message. If you have your Bibles, open, them up, open it up to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. We're going to get there in just a moment. Right now we're in the middle of a series that we're doing called Family Rooms. And what we're doing is we're using different rooms in the house as a bit of a starting point to illustrate a spiritual truth as it relates to the family. And, and so we're using this sort of as our launching pad to, to have a spiritual discussion as it relates to our families. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the dining room, and we talked about the spiritual importance of the dining room, but also the practical importance of a dining room, and the relationships that we build, and the friendships that are developed with our family, with our spouses, with our kids there in the dining room, and how oftentimes we're trading that dining room for other things, but that dining room is so important to come together and eat together and just build relationships. Last week, RJ talked about, Pastor RJ talked about the, the living room, and, and, and how the, it it was once known as the dead room, and, and now it is the living room, and, and um, just the relationships that are, that are built there and, and the struggles that are worked through there. And um, so that's kind of what we're doing in this series, Family Rooms. And so this morning, we're going to talk very briefly about the laundry room, okay? Come on, the laundry room. Now, I, Melissa asked me, my wife asked me earlier this week, which room I'm talking about this week? And I said, the laundry room. And she looked at me and she said, do you think you're qualified to talk about the laundry room? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But the laundry room is a strange place because if you watch commercials, and the commercials for the laundry room, they will, they will show like the sun coming in the window and like you hear the birds chirping. And it's this wonderful, magical place. And the person who's taking the laundry out of the dryer, like, like they hold it close and they snuggle it and they breathe in the freshness. And, and, and it makes it look like, like the, the best thing in the world is to be able to do laundry. And it, and it creates all this happiness and wonder. they got a giant smile on their face. But the reality is, we all know that the laundry room is the place that your nightmares go to have nightmares. You know what I'm talking about? Like the, like the laundry room is the place where, where you get exposed for getting grass stains on your nice jeans, Right? And your mom yells at you from, from the laundry room, and you know exactly what she's talking about. It can, it can turn a really good day really bad really fast. The laundry room is a place where you pull out your, your load of whites that are all pink because somebody put a red sock in there with it. Like when that happens, and, and you hear that, what is this? Like everybody scatters. It's every man for themselves. You're just running from the laundry room, right? Titus is in the way in the hall. He gets shoved down, and I run over him, you know, and I point. It's probably him. Get him. The laundry room exposes a lot of things. And in the laundry room, if you're doing laundry and, and you're washing something expensive and it's not yours and you shrink it, that is the worst thing you could do. Like, like that, that requires a payment in blood if you ever make that mistake. Just we all, but we've all been there. But what makes the laundry room truly terrifying is that there are always clothes to be cleaned. Always. The mountain of laundry absolutely never, never gets smaller. There is always clothes to be clean. I walked into the laundry room the other day, and I asked Melissa, what are you doing? And she says, laundry. And I said, still? That's not the right answer if you're asking your wife if she's still doing. The right answer would be, how can I help, honey? Can I fold these for you? 
Um, but, but it's just, it's a never-ending, ongoing, daily process. A few months ago, Melissa was gone for a, 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 about a week, and so I was in charge of the laundry. I had to do the laundry. And um, I realized something, that the second the hamper is empty, clothes just magically appear again. Like, dirty clothes multiply in the hamper. I had called Melissa up, and I said, I'm done, and I was so excited, and I walked back in, and there was like three sets of clothes in there. Like, what is going on? It felt like the, the miracle of the 5,000 people when Jesus fed them with the five loaves and the two fish. I mean, just dirty clothes are multiplying everywhere. I don't know. It's like a miracle from heaven. You know what I tried? I actually took um, a couple $20 bills and threw them into the laundry hamper to see if they would multiply too, but it's just dirty clothes. It's dirty clothes are the only thing that multiply in the hamper, but the reality is it's a process that never ends. It never ends. Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 says this. Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, and he says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. Now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. What we just saw a little bit ago was not salvation, but people showing the results of their salvation. They were taking a step because of what God had done inside of them. These were the results of their salvation. He goes on to say, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you. Some translations say God is still working in you. God is still working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Just a few moments ago, we had several people go public with their faith through baptism. It's a symbolic representation of the new life that God ignited inside of them on the inside. More accurately, that is a physical representation of the miracle that God ignited inside a person's soul at salvation. Baptism is a very bold and public display of the truth of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, where it says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. What they're saying is that the old me is dead. My old thought process, my old desires, my old way of thinking is dead. We're going to put that aside, and I'm going to be raised back to life with Jesus, though the name is the same and the look is the same, it is a brand new person that is raised back to life with Jesus, symbolizing a death to the sinful man and a resurrection to the righteousness that Jesus gives us that he purchased for us on the cross. Salvation is finished, salvation is guaranteed, salvation is complete, and, and God is still working on you. Most of us think that, that God just works on us before we're saved. Like we hear a lot of testimonies where people are saying, you know what, God has been working on me for a long time. I mean, I was into drugs or alcohol. I was cheating and I was just doing all this stuff, running from God, but God was really working on me and working on me. And, and then, uh, then something happened. I came down to the altar and I prayed the prayer and I felt this weight lifted. And a lot of times uh, people assume that God is doing all of this work on you before you're saved and then after you're saved, it's like, whoo, good job, God, he's done. But the reality is God does more work on us after we give our hearts to Jesus than he does before. Yes, he pursues. Yes, he chases us. Yes, he comes to get us. Yes, he works on our heart to soften us so that we will be responsive to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But just because you get saved doesn't mean the work is done. And it's so good that Paul says God is still working on you. He's still working on me. 
He's still working on your heart. He's still working on your mind. He's working on your desires. He's working on your motives. He's working on your behaviors. And he's working in your home. He's working in your home. Salvation is a finished work. But listen, sanctification is different. Sanctification is a process of becoming more like Jesus. At salvation, God immediately engages you in the process of sanctification. And what he does is he begins to pinpoint areas of your life that you need to change. Right? We don't ever say that you have to change. You don't have to change. You don't have to clean up to come to Jesus. But once you come to Jesus, he's not going to let you remain the same. If you, if you were just the worst person ever, Jesus isn't going to let you stay the same. If you are the best person ever and you don't ever do anything wrong, Jesus still isn't going to let you stay the same. When we come to Jesus, he begins to change us. Now, some of these changes happen overnight. We've heard testimonies of people that are struggling with alcoholism. They give their heart to the Lord and, and Jesus just completely takes that away. They're completely set free. They, they don't have a desire for it anymore and never touch a drop again. But then we have some people who um, struggle with alcoholism and they give their heart to the Lord and it's just a daily struggle. And, and, and they, they take another step and they take another step and they take another step. Some people change overnight. Sometimes it's a change that happens over time. But because God loves you and because God loves us, he is still working. He is still working on you. Baptism, we just saw, doesn't mean that the work is over. It just means that the work is about to begin. And then what Paul does is, is he goes on to explain what happens when we pursue sanctification, when we submit ourselves to God's work in our lives, in our homes, and in our families. Verse 12, or verse 14, excuse me, says this. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Live clean, live innocent, shine bright. Live clean, live innocent, shine bright bright. And what I've come to realize is that we are powerless to shine bright in a world if we don't first learn how to shine bright in our homes. It's impossible for us to shine bright in a world if we don't continually shine bright in our homes. And in a world full of darkness, in a world full of crooked and perverse people, Scripture says, it doesn't, it, doesn't it seem like it, it's, it's really hard to shine bright in the world and even hard to shine bright in our homes. And it doesn't really even seem to bother us anymore that we live in a crooked and perverse world because for many of us, we have begun to allow the crooked and perverse thoughts, attitudes, ideas, behaviors, and images into our homes. And so if we don't learn how to shine bright in our homes as a family, we will never shine bright in the world. And if God is still working on you, which scripture promises that he is, if God is still working on you, the one place that this will be most evident is in the home. It's in the home because the home is the place where you can't hide behind who you want people to think you are. The home is the place where people know you and your faults and your flaws and your intentions are all laid bare because you can't hide in a home. And if God is going to be working on you, he's going to work on you first and foremost in your home. And it's daily. 
It's every day God works on you. Now, wouldn't it be nice if God could just take us on like a weekend getaway and just fix all of our issues, fix all of our problems? I've actually talked to God about this. I've suggested it to him for you. And I think it's a great idea. I think that, you know, all of my issues, all of my struggles, all of my faults, relational, everything else, that God could just take me away on a weekend and say, we're going to fix you this weekend, and then I can just come back and be this perfect human being. But that's not the way it happens. It happens daily in a process. The process of sanctification happens every single day. Like that stinking laundry room, it never ends. Now, I I, I want to illustrate it like this. I I think that... um, this scenario will make sense. It makes sense to me. But, but there's a scene that often occurs in our home, and it probably does yours as well, that, that when you wake up in the morning, the house looks good. You know? Like things are picked up and toys are put away. The table's cleared off. The counter's cleared off. And it just looks like a decent home. But something happens throughout the day. Things change. Like, like the little one comes in and gets toys out. And there's toys all over the coffee table. And then um, I, I, they change out of pajamas in the living room. I don't know why kids have to change out of their pajamas in the living room. And they think the living room floor is where the pajamas go. I don't, but, but that happens. And they go down there. And then kids come home from school. They kick their shoes off. And they throw their backpacks down. Then they do their homework and then they get their snack and the trash is out everywhere and and what what happens throughout the day is those little things at first didn't register in fact the mess doesn't register until it all registers all at once how many of you know what I'm talking about and then you look around and, and you've just absolutely had it. It's like 6.30, 7 o'clock, and I mean, it's been a long day. And then and, and kind of that, that part of you creeps in that, that Jesus hasn't fully redeemed yet. You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, look, shut the TV off. I'm sick and tired. I got clothes here and shoes here and, and homework here. Get this homework put away. And, and, and you're just like, you're frustrated because everything registers all at once. And then everybody goes on this mad like five-minute dash to clean up before dad completely loses his mind. You know what I'm talking about? Like everybody's, hurry up, get this cleaned up, hurry up, get this cleaned up, hurry. Before he comes in here, let's get this put away real fast. And it's like, you know, all of this stuff builds and builds and builds, and in five minutes, you know, um, somebody screams, and then everybody gets it put away really, really fast. And like, we're good again, right? We're good again. And that's how we often deal with the process of sanctification in our lives and in our homes. Think about this. In a spiritual sense, the dirt in our lives, and the clutter begins to build and build and build, and we don't really notice it, right? We don't, we don't fully notice it until all at once it all just registers in this one great big like just moment where we can see it all. And, and we see this in our homes, and, and so then we kind of hit that point of explosion where we say, look, I'm sick and tired of how mean you guys are to each other. Because they're just mean. You talk down to each other all the time. You're constantly joking and making insults and stuff like that. Knock it off. We're going to be nice in this home. Be nice, right? Say something nice to your brother right now. Say something nice to your brother. Say something nice right now. You know what I mean? Anybody? We're going to be nice. We're not going to yell at each other anymore. Do you hear me? Right? And we think that in this moment... We can just fix it. It just is one, we're gonna make a decision, we're just gonna fix it in this moment. And so we have this mad flurry of niceness for the rest of the evening or maybe even a week. And then it goes back to normal. Or or maybe, or or maybe you 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 know you, you look and you realize, man, we watch too much TV. 
I'm tired of how much TV we watch. We, we spend too much time on the TV, in the screens, on the video games, all that stuff. We're not going to do that anymore. We're going to be a family who, who, who talks and looks at each other in the eye, shut the TV off, put the, the charging cords away. We are going to open a book, play a game, go outside and play. We're not going to do screens anymore. And so in this mad dash of like, you know, a flurry, everything gets shut off, everything gets put away. You take the batteries out, whatever you do. And then, you know, in a week or two, things go back to normal because we can't just fix things in a moment. It's a process, like the laundry room. This happens in your marriage relationship too. Like in your relationship with your husband and wife. Like, like maybe the little things don't register until everything registers all at once. I'm sick of you ignoring me. You just ignore me all the time. You belittle me. You disrespect me. You talk down to me. You don't help. You know, whatever, whatever it is, you know, whatever your particular fight of choice is, you can fill in the blank there because you know you. And it all comes out at once and then, you have the conversation, you think, man, this one conversation is going to fix any, everything. It's not. It's not because you can't fix something with one conversation. It's a commitment to live clean and shine bright. Listen, it's not a commitment to clean up, but it's a commitment to live clean on a daily basis. It's like the laundry room. It never ends. The truth is the process of sanctification within the home the process of becoming like Christ, the process of becoming spirit, spiritually clean and pure, the process of shining bright, isn't that explosion in the living room where everybody cleans up and it's done in a minute? It's the laundry room. It's a daily process. It's, it's listen, it's cleaning even when it doesn't look dirty. You know what I'm talking about? It's cleaning before the dirt and the stains are exposed. It's continually cleaning. It's continually shining bright. It's continually loving. It's continually working to be better as a family. It's, it's doing the work before the issue is exposed. In no house ever, especially a house with kids, have you ever heard the words uttered, the laundry is done? Nobody ever says the laundry is done. If you boldly declare that the laundry is done, one of your kids will come up to you and say, Sorry, I spilled ketchup on my shirt. Like, the laundry is never done. It's never done. And in no Christian home should you ever utter, utter the words, our sanctification is done. We are like Christ. We are finished. We are complete. Because that's not how it works. Because God is still working in you and in your home. The second you get one thing figured out, the Holy Spirit reveals another thing. The second you get this area of your home and your relationship figured out, the Holy Spirit says, great, now I want to show you this over here. And then you get this figured out and the Holy Spirit says, that's awesome, now I want to show you this back here that we're going to get cleaned up. You get that, and, and now you've got to come over here and, and the Holy Spirit shows you this. And, and you're like, man, will this ever end? Let me just set your mind at ease. No, it never will. It just never will. Because the scripture promises that God is still working on you. He's still working on you. And there will come a point that you eventually start looking around and, and you think, man, we're looking pretty good. We're, we're pretty clean. We're, we're looking around and, and, and I don't look like a dark and perverse world really anywhere. God, I'm done, right? I've, I've arrived. I've made it. I don't look like the world at all. And it's in that moment that God says, it's great that you look different from the world. Now I want you to look like my son. And what happens is we begin to follow Jesus in this process of sanctification. We set ourselves apart from the world, and then 
God does a real work in our homes, a real work in our families. And he says, I just don't want you to look different from the world. I want you to look like my son. And you can't do it in a moment. You can't fix it with a conversation. It's a commitment to the process. God is still working. God is still working. God is still working. Now, baptism isn't just a cleansing. It's a commitment to live clean. It's a promise to keep going back to the spiritual laundry room. So you know what? Even in this area of my life, that, that it, it may not look dirty to everybody else. I know what's there. I'm going to clean it up. In this area of my life, nobody is telling me like, oh, man, that's disgusting. That's gross. That's full of stains and sin. But I know what's there. So I'm going to clean it up. It's a commitment to continually go back to the spiritual laundry room. And in these closing moments, I want us to reflect on our lives and our families. I want to ask the question, what in your family needs to be clean? What are the areas in, in your life that are beginning to look a little dull, that aren't shining like you know God wants them to? Maybe you've begun to allow a spirit of negativity to build in your home. And you're looking around and you realize, man, there's no joy here. When did we stop laughing? When did we stop enjoying being in each other's presence? Like, like something's happened here, and we need to address this. We need to, to fix this. This is an area in our home that, that needs to be cleaned. Something has happened in our home that has eroded the peace, eroded the joy, eroded the contentment, and, and we need to clean this area up. But not only clean this area up, because if we, if we clean an area up and then forget it, it'll get dirty again. We have to clean it and then commit to live clean. Maybe, maybe you need to, and this is something that, that I remember growing up was preached on all the time, but, but we, we don't talk about it much anymore, and maybe we should. Maybe we need to reevaluate our, our TV watching habits, right? Maybe we need to reevaluate what, what we watch on TV in our home, the movies we bring in, the TV shows that, that, that we watch. Maybe we need to reevaluate some of those things. Maybe we need to reevaluate what you're watching on Netflix, like maybe it's one of those things that like if you wouldn't be comfortable your pastor coming in and scrolling through your recently watched on Netflix, maybe you shouldn't be watching it in your home, right? Maybe we need to think about, maybe that's an area that the Holy Spirit has said, hey, look, this area, like I'm, I'm not saying that it's sin necessarily, but, but it's, it's getting a little dirty. Let's clean it up. Let's clean it up. Maybe the Holy Spirit is, is saying to you in, in your home, um, you have poor eating habits, and your poor eating habits are, are, are doling the spiritual shine in your home. Like, man, Pastor Chris, you're meddling a little bit. I mean, you can talk about all this other stuff. You can talk about sin, and you can talk about that stuff that's real easy there in the Bible. But, but I mean, it, you know, you're kind of meddling if you're talking about food and stuff like that. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. When we invite Jesus to be the Lord of our lives, and we invite him to be the Lord of our homes, we give him access to everything, Right? everything. That means he has access to all those sinful, dark, dirty places, but he has access to everything as well. That means there's nothing in our homes that he can't touch. And if he's, if he's wanting to address something in your life about your eating habits and exercise, and, and I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying something to me and I'm trying to reject him right now, right? Because he's speaking. But, but if he's saying something about that, then we have to listen because he is the Lord of our lives. He's the Lord of our homes. You know what I'm talking about? And if he is identifying an area in your home that he wants you to address and clean up, then listen, commit to live clean. Maybe you have a secret stash of pornography on your phone or computer, and you see the relational stain that it's creating in your home. Maybe you're getting away with it. 
Like maybe nobody knows or nobody suspects you. And you feel like you're getting away with it. But, but you feel the relational stain. You feel how it's affecting your parenting. You feel how it's affecting your job. You feel how it's affecting your attitude. You feel how it's affecting your energy level. You, you feel like, like it's just sneaking into every area of your home. It's time to commit to clean up but to live clean. Live clean. Maybe there's some generational sin in your home and it's been allowed to flourish throughout the, the generations that have preceded you. And, and maybe this generational sin you've just kind of learned to live with. We are this. And, and you, you've kind of been identified as this, this label in this generational sin. But maybe it's time to just, instead of learning how to live with it, maybe it's time to address it, clean it, and continue to live clean. Maybe it's time to name it, confess it, run from it, and say, my children, my grandchildren, and my great-grandchildren will not struggle with this sin because I am going to commit, and in this home, we are going to commit to live clean. And even in this area where we feel like we have taken some steps and we've cleaned it up, we are going to continue to pursue righteousness. We're going to continue to pursue integrity in this area because we are going to be a family that shines bright and lives clean. Stand your feet all across this place. We're getting ready to close. Maybe you're here and you're living in a blended family. And right now you're trying to find common ground to exist in. Maybe there's a tension relationally and a struggle. I just say allow God to continue to work. Ask him to identify what needs to be addressed first. He will. He will. He'll point out that thing. You say, man, I got issues here, 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 here. God, what should I do? The Holy Spirit will speak to you. He'll speak to you. He just will. Listen to him. And you know what? Oftentimes when we look around at our lives, in our homes, we say, God, what do you want me to address? What, what do you want me to work on? Holy Spirit, what are you asking me to clean? Oftentimes we're, we're expecting the Holy Spirit to show us something big. But he often starts small. Just this one, just this one area. Let's clean this first. And let's clean this first. And then let's clean this next. And this next. And this next. And before you know it, you look around, you're like, wow, God, you've done a major work in my life. I didn't even realize it. Because I was just faithfully following what you wanted me to do next. Maybe you're here today and you aren't ready for the process of sanctification because you haven't asked Jesus to be your Savior. And today you would say, I, I, I want the new life that I witnessed. I, I want to commit my life to Jesus. I want to surrender. Maybe you've just, maybe it's just been a while and, and, and you've let everything in your life go spiritually and you need to recommit. Maybe you're here and, and you would say, you know what? I just need to go all in again. I need to go all in again. I, you know, I, I felt like I, you know, I prayed the prayer and then I didn't do anything. I just, I, I, I wanted God to be like that one moment where he fixed everything and then nothing has to change. No, he fixes it and then you change. But you would say here this morning, like, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. For my life personally, I'm ready to go. Jesus, fix it and help me to live clean. Bow your heads, close your eyes. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to connect with us or if you want more information about North Shore Church, please visit us at mynsag.com.